Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Ask Amy. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got a guest here today who is a car salesman turned attorney. He is Amedi Charkawi. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Amy. Hi, everyone. Yeah, car sales, huge in Houston. I mean, there's a car lot on every corner. Right. So you're sort of in a unique position. Now you represent clients who have issues with um, car deals, car dealerships, cars that they purchase. So we're going to go all throughout that, this whole episode, things people need to watch out for. But tell us a little bit about your background. So how did you decide, hey, I'm going to stop selling cars and I'm going to practice law? So back when I was uh, doing my four-year degree, I uh, obviously needed to to supplement my income. So I was uh, selling uh, cars. Uh, This was around 2004, 2005, while going to U of H full-time. And then once I graduated, I was looking for the next uh, the next uh, venture or journey in my life, and I realized that you know car sales was not for me. It's just that the the entire environment was um, geared towards maximizing profits to the detriment of the consumer. And um, but hey, you know I gained a lot of experience. I uh, honed in on my sales skills, which helped me in my uh, litigation uh, practice mm-hmm. today and uh, learn quite a bit about how it works, uh, the pitfalls to avoid, um, why dealerships do certain things that a lot of people hear about and, mm-hmm. and, and the purpose of them doing it, and, uh, and, and what is it that the consumer can avoid um, during the car purchase transaction. Yeah, because it is, it's a crazy thing. I think a lot of people might get excited about buying a new car, but nobody really gets excited about the process to go to the dealership. I mean, at least that's my take and how I feel. You always feel like they're going to be trying to take, you know, trick me out of money. I mean, and so you just are on guard, but then it's like, oh, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. Um, when people call you, we're ta- we'll talk about people who have purchased new cars and people who have pur- purchased used cars because you have both people calling you and there are different sets of things to look out for, right? Correct. Well, make no mistake about it. When you walk into a dealership, it's literally a battle between you and the salesperson. You know, it's been back before the internet era, it was even worse because the consumer was completely in the blind. They had no idea what the invoice is, uh, the cost of certain options, uh, uh, so that they can at least know a point of reference whether they're paying or overpaying or getting a good deal. Even after the internet, it's still it's still a very unpleasant transaction because again, it's a zero sum game. It's whatever you can save as a consumer, the salesman doesn't make or the dealership by extension doesn't make. Uh-huh. So it's a constant battle between the salesman and and the uh, and, and and the buyer, and that's why people, in fact, prefer to simply uh, buy directly from the manufacturer, like Tesla has been doing mm-hmm. successfully. It's a really easy process, convenient, because most consumers, it's not about getting the best 
price on the car. It's really about not overpaying in comparison to other consumers. So if, if everybody's paying MSRP, then it's fair for everyone, and you would see that a lot of consumers would prefer it, uh, prefer it that way. So, so certainly it's, it's never a pleasant uh, situation. The other thing that the consumer have to look into is the battle doesn't end once you agree on the price with the salesperson. Or, or if you're b buying uh, uh -huh. using payments, which I completely discourage. When you're negotiating a price with a salesman, you always want to focus on the uh, on the price. You're going to notice that they're always going to try to steer you back onto a payment and a term. How that much is, can you afford to pay each month? Exactly. So yeah. if I can if I can make a payment this much, you know, or, or maybe extend it for this term, that's always going to be in the benefit of the dealership. You want to always go back to the price because it's all about the price, and then you can tackle the interest rate and the financing in the finance office. Preferably, you would bring your your own financing, right? So uh -huh. you want to go to your credit union, you, you most likely, if not all the time, you're going to get a better interest rate unless there is a promotional rate uh -huh. from the manufacturer. For example, you get 0%, 0.9% for a certain term. That's something that obviously the bank or the credit union is not going to be able to match. And that's when you go with the dealership financing. Absent that, almost always, you want to get uh, a, a separate source of financing like a credit union or a bank before you come into the dealership, and then you negotiate price only. Okay. Yeah, so basically, also before you show up, you know what your payments look like because you've gone to a credit union, you've gone to a bank, they say you qualify for this amount of money, and, and you have all that information. So, so if they do offer you something, you've got something to compare it to. That's correct. And... I think there's something worth mentioning is that during the COVID era, there was a shortage, obviously, of cars, like everyone knows. Dealerships have capitalized on that for the, for the better, probably for the past three years. Mm -hmm. That has changed. Do not walk into a dealership and allow a salesman to tell you that there is still a chip shortage and that's why they, they, they have to sell the car, sometimes over MSRP or at least at MSRP. That is no longer the case for the overwhelming majority of car brands. Now, I'm talking about Chevy, Cadillac, Toyota. Yeah. Now, maybe some high-end niche brands like Porsche or so, maybe there's still a shortage for 911s, et cetera. But, but the, the everyday car, the normal everyday domestic vehicle, there's plenty of inventory in on the lots, and dealerships are, in fact, given deep discounts to move them because the industry has been hurt by the high interest rates, and there are, there are a lot of cars that are piling up on the, uh, on the lots right now. So don't be fooled. You can still get a very good discount that is similar to the pre-COVID era. Okay. Um, do you think that the same holds true for used cars? Because we know that the used car market, they're so much more expensive now than they used to be because they were more in demand. Well, again, that's, that's the dealership trying to convince you that because used cars at some point were actually some models were actually selling for more than what they cost brand new. Why? Because the brand new one was not available. That also has changed. CPI numbers just came back uh, today, and as I was watching the financial news, and uh, used cars, they have held steady in terms of prices, but they have come down dramatically from the 2020-2021 heyday when people just couldn't find a car to buy. Uh -huh. So again, it's, it's, uh, you're, you're asked for a discount, you're likely to get a discount, Cars are piling up on car lots, 
and dealers want to move them at any cost. Yeah. All right. Okay. So when we come back, I want to talk about these things. We definitely want to talk about pitfalls to avoid, but you sort of sprinkled in all of this information, like just good information to have if you're buying a new car or used car. But we're going to sort of fine tune this and talk first about buying a new car. Here's what you need to know. Buying a used car. Here's what you need to know. And then we're not going to let you leave until we get five tips from a car salesman turned attorney. Sounds good. All right. So we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to this episode of Ask Amy. We are here with Mehdi Charkawi talking to us about buying a car, whether it's a new car or a used car, and some common pitfalls that consumers fall into. Um, we want to start with, let's start first with buying a used car. What are the common types of complaints and things that you're hearing from customers from problems that they have after buying a used car? Probably the same things I'm hearing. <laughs> right. So obviously with used cars, there's the mechanical component. When you buy a new car, you don't have to worry about that. Hopefully the car is brand new, although I've heard some nightmare stories where cars that were delivered were not the very same car that a person has test driven, driven oh, wow. prior. Yeah, that happens, but it's rare. In a used car, so you have, you have the issue or the mechanical component. What I suggest is obviously... Ask if the dealership would allow you to take your car to a trusted mechanic. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're buying a car from a franchise dealer, odds are the car has been inspected. They understand the legal liability behind selling a car that has not been inspected, that has a defect, even if it's used car. So they're likely to cover their basis and make sure the car is in good shape. But hey, there's nothing that would stop you from simply asking, can I go to my mechanic, someone you trust, maybe for a couple hundred dollars, they'll do a, a good inspection as to the frame, the condition of the vehicle, the mileage, and then you're, you're comfortable at that point buying the car. So you have the mechanical component. By the way, the dealership likes to tell you that the as-is form is kind of a shield from liability in case there is an issue. I can tell you that that's not the case in a lot of instances. The as-is form basically says that the car, you buy it as-is. That's the mileage. If it's uh, inside a manufacturer warranty, then it's going to have the remaining balance of the warranty. If it's not, then it's not. But in terms of the mechanical condition, the law, specifically the Texas Deceptive Trade Practices Act, says that a dealership has the duty and the obligation to discover mm -hmm. uh, if there is a mechanical defect. They need to be looking into the history of the car. That's correct, because they're the professionals, right? You're the consumer. They do this on a daily basis. If they buy a car from an auction or take it on a trade-in, well, their duty is to inspect it before they pass it on to the consumer. If they fail to do so, their defense cannot be, well, we didn't know. We didn't know the car had frame damage. The DTPA says you as a professional ought to know, and therefore you are liable for passing on a car that has a defect onto the consumer. Why do they do it then? Do you think car dealers do that? Buy a car at an auction, know that they haven't completely fixed it, they fixed it well enough to get it out the door. Do they do it because they don't, they believe that the consumers they're selling it to won't take that extra step or maybe can't afford to hire an attorney? Well, I'm not going to indict every single dealership on, on Me in, either. in town. Right. <laughs> this is just about, let, let's assume that it's an oversight. Okay. Right? They, they buy hundreds of cars, maybe one or two cars slip, uh, and they don't simply inspect it, and they end up passing it on to the, uh, to the consumer. Now, you brought up a g very good point, which is the difference between a, 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 uh, a negligent uh -huh. oversight and an intentional okay. oversight. So 
And that's where the jury entered the DTPA. If you have enough evidence to show that this dealer intentionally concealed the defect, uh-huh. they knew about it, they didn't disclose right. it to you, the DTPA opens up the dealership uh, to liability up to three times the amount of actual damages. That's kind of a punitive component to the DTPA, plus your attorney's fees are being awarded. Wow. That is why dealerships are uh, understand that, that inspecting a car is is very very important before they pass it on to the consumer. So I wouldn't say that that they they don't they 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 they, they think that the consumer is not going to pursue them legally. I think a lot of times it's an oversight, but there is no shortage of unscrupulous dealerships that will do that intentionally, mm-hmm. hoping that the uh, consumer will never find out in the near future. And even as an oversight with this as is statement or form at the beginning. If I purchase that vehicle and they, oops, we didn't catch that and they sold it to me as in good condition, I have recourse in terms of taking them to court. Most of the time you do have recourse. I have to give you a legal answer, Amy. It's Uh always, it depends and it depends on the situation. But let's, let's look, let's uh, take an example for, uh, let's take an example of a 2018 Toyota Corolla. Although that's not a new car, but it's not a very, very old car. So. Anyone that's buying a 2018 or 17 Corolla or Camry or, or Chevy, they expect that the vehicle is going to be at least going to have some life into it. It's, mm-hmm. They expect that it's not going to have frame damage. They expect that it hasn't been flooded before. Uh-huh. And even if it had those issues, at least they would know about it. And then that would be reflected in the price of the car. Uh, so, so if it's a 2001 or a 1997 Toyota, well, then the jury's going to probably look at it and say, well, you kind of knew what you were buying at that point because the car is 25 years old or more. Uh, there's not a set number or a set amount of you know years that the car has uh, has to have before the as is becomes you know kind of black on white. That's uh-huh. it. That's what you bought. But I think the you know again, if it's a newer used car then the as-is form is just not going to protect the dealership if there is a major defect that Mm -hmm. the dealer should have known about or in some instances knew about and didn't disclose it. Let's talk about disclosures. I mean, specifically, I mean, are there certain things that the dealer has to tell you on a used vehicle? Well, certainly the, there's the odometer disclosure, right? Mm-hmm. You want to know that you want to make sure that there's no rollback. That's a, that's not only a civil liability, but that's also a criminal situation. Um, there is uh, uh, a lot of dealerships will give you a 24-point inspection report. You want to make sure that that's legitimate. But but wait, really, hold on. How do I make sure that's legitimate? Well, y- it depends on the reputation of the dealer. So if you're buying from a franchise dealer, odds are it is legitimate. But mm-hmm. that's where that's when I recommended earlier. If you want to be skeptical, uh-huh. it right. is what it is. The car business is not the cleanest business in the world. You want to be skeptical. Take that car to a trusted uh, third-party uh, mechanic for $200 or less. They will do their own 24-point inspection, and they will verify that this car indeed what the dealership represents it to be. Uh, and I think that's the best $200 you can spend when you're buying a used car from a dealer. And if they won't let you do that, then obviously that's a red flag. Red flag. You know what, there are so many car dealers right now, though, not traditional, that are becoming more the norm, that where you never even see the car until you take possession of it. And I'm speaking of Carvana. Carvana. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we've seen some of the problems with these, um, but but how do you cover yourself in those cases? Well, their business model, the business model of Carvana, highlights their 
their their promise and their guarantee really to the consumer that the vehicle has been inspected because mm-hmm. they're what they're advertising is look we know that we, you're not able to go test drive the car or even see it in person before you buy it so we're going to take it upon ourselves to have even a higher standard of of uh, inspection and making sure and disclosure and making sure that the car is not defective in any way so to me if you have an issue against those companies mm-hmm. it's actually an easier lawsuit to win if this turned into a lawsuit because they have that heightened standard that they adopted themselves right because they understood that they are an online retailer and there is no way for the consumer to see the car before they buy it um, we cover this a lot or we get this question a lot where people say I purchased a car they said it was in good shape it, it ran great when I did the test drive and then two days later it stopped working or it developed you know they some issue comes up Hmm. what protections if any does the customer have on buying a used car I mean is there any you said you know is there a law that says in any instance that the dealer has to give you your money back so let's again we talked about the age of the car Mm -hmm. if you're buying a five six seven perhaps even ten year old car you're, expect, you're paying good money for it, and you're expecting it to run in the foreseeable future. Two days after the sale, that's a no, no-brainer. In fact, I would suggest the consumer to look for dealerships, and there's plenty of them, that offer perhaps a 30-day warranty or even a 30-day money-back guarantee. So that covers you for that foreseeable 30 days after the sale. Sometimes you're not able to discover the defect until... Uh, maybe five, six months passed by. I had a client call me the other day. Uh, she bought a used car from a franchise dealer. And then um, she had to do an oil. She didn't have to do an oil change until five months afterwards. It was uh-huh. a synthetic oil. It, it's not done, I think, once or twice a year. Yeah. So she, so once the, um, the oil was drained from the car, the mechanic realized that this car had not had an oil change ever what? since it was purchased, since oh, it was wow. brand new. So we're talking about a car that's been running on the same oil for five years or six years. Yikes. You're not able to discover that until there's an oil change. Yeah. And, that, and, and there's also a discovery rule in most uh, statutes that you can sue under. For example, the DTPA has a two-year statute of limitations, but there's also a provision for discovery. In other words, if the defect is concealed uh-huh. and you as a consumer are not able to discover it until an event occurs, well, then that two years is totally is extended until you actually discover the uh, the, uh, the the defect. Uh, just an example, let's say you haven't had to take the car uh, for a maintenance appointment for uh-huh. two years, and then when you did, the mechanic discovered the car had frame damage, which is one of the ah. worst things you can have. Right. The law still covers you because you did not have an opportunity to discover it until the car had to go to maintenance. Okay. All right. So there's not a there's not a time frame where you say, well, the law gives me this many days right. or this many months. It, it's a matter of fact. It's a question of fact that the jury is going to have to determine. But certainly within two years is when you're able to bring a case against a dealer for a defective vehicle. Uh, under the Texas DTPA. Okay. All right. We are out of time for this segment, but I promised that when we come back, we're going to have Medi's five tips, things you should know about buying a car from a car salesman turned attorney. Of course, that's what makes it so interesting. All right. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
Welcome back to this episode of Ask Amy. Today we're talking about all things car buying, new cars, used cars. Our expert is attorney Mehdi Charkawi, who used to be a car salesman. So you bring all of that experience to this. And so I asked you for five tips that we can all benefit from, from a car salesman turned attorney. The first one that you said was basically where you shop for your car. Right. So if you have to, and I suggest that you do this all the time. Try to pick a dealership with a, first of all, a franchise dealer. So a Ford, Chevy, Cadillac, a, a franchise dealer. Try to avoid the small mom and pop dealerships uh, that are popping up all across Houston. Those dealerships likely are not going to have the reputation they, 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 you know, they, they seem to protect or they want to protect, number one. Number two, if you have an issue with them, they're unlikely to, uh, to, to come and to help and try to resolve the situation. And third, if you end up in a lawsuit against them, they may not even have enough solvency, enough assets to recover against. So it, 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 most of the time, you're not going to pay more going to a franchise dealer. That's just a misconception. And even some people are, are concerned about their credit. They go, well, I'm not going to go to a franchise dealer because my credit is low. I might, go, I might as well go to a small dealership. That's a bad calculation. Those, uh, those dealerships, both of them have the same lenders. They have access to the same lenders with the same programs. Is this, if the small dealership can finance you, rest assured the bigger dealership can finance you. Uh, and even if you have to pay a little bit more, think of that as insurance in case there is an issue, you have a big dealership to go after. One of the tactics you talked about, and we'll be real quick, but is on some of these um, smaller dealerships, when they do sign a loan with somebody who has less than stellar credit, they have this device where they cut off your, they make your vehicle not work when right. you owe money. Right. Well, if they, if first of all, they're going to make you think that you have the worst credit in the world and they're doing you a favor by giving you, financing you for a car. They're going to ask for a large down payment. The interest rate is going to be astronomical. Uh, and then uh, they're going to place a disabling device in your vehicle so that if you don't pay within one day of the due date, your car can be absolutely disabled and you're not able to drive to work. That these are tactics that a, a big dealer is not going to do. So I suggest to avoid the small dealers and go to a big franchise dealer. All right. So we're going to get through these next ones really quickly because I'm running out of time. Um, never buy the add-ons and the warranties. 99% of those, war those warranties and the add-ons uh, at a finance office are absolutely useless. And even if you want to buy them, you can go outside of the finance uh, office and buy it for pennies on the dollar. That said also, you said bring your own financing. Bring your own financing. One quick word of caution. The battle of uh, the car sale does not end at the sales table. I guarantee you that there's a bigger battle in the finance office. You're going to have a nicely dressed uh, so-called finance officer that's going to look out for your be best interest, and that's not the case. They're going to overcharge you for warranty, overcharge you for low jack, overcharge you for the interest. Uh, so always bring your own financing. Again, unless there is a promotional interest that the manufacturer is offering the consumer, then you want to go for that 0%. Otherwise, go to your credit union or bank. We had a viewer who emailed and said um, they signed all the paperwork there at the dealership and then two pages that were blank because the salesperson told them or the finance person said, oh, for out-of-town customers, we always do this in case something changes last minute with reference to this or that. You said, oh, bad idea to sign blank pages. Common practice and a common mistake that the consumer makes at any circumstance. Look, the dealership wants to sell you that car just as bad as you want to buy it, sometimes even worse. So... You have to be uh, consistent. You have to be uh, cautious. Do not sign any document that is not filled in. If it's not filled in and you know what you signed and you read what you signed, then you can sign. Otherwise, say no. And if they want to blow the deal over that, that's fine. Walk away. 
most of the time they're going to call you back and, and, and honor whatever request you had. Sometimes when people come to us, and this is the fifth thing, and it's about the types of documents that you should be leaving with, because a lot of times people will call me with a problem and, and you know, maybe changes in terms of their financing. They get a call back like a week or two weeks later, and I say, well, what did your retail installment contract say? And they say, my what? Uh, what are documents that you should not leave that dealership without if you're purchasing a new or used vehicle so if you're buying a new or used vehicle and you're financing certainly the buyer's order is going to have your information the agreed upon price the sales tax etc then the retail installment you want to make sure your retail installment contract is filled out is going to have the price the amount that you're financing the amount of down payment that you put the term of the loan 60 months 72 months and the payment um, it's going to also have any kind of uh, penalties if there is no if, if the payment is not on time. You certainly, at minimum, you want to leave with the pre with the retail installment agreement signed by by you and the dealer, the buyer's order, and the odometer statement. Uh, at least you have evidence uh, that would support what you have agreed upon. Should the dealership decide to call you back the next day and change the terms of the deal. All right. Great information. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us My today. Pleasure. We're going to put contact information for you on our website in case you want to reach out to Medi Charkawi. A wealth of information. We hope you have a great day. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks.